December 1st. Well, yes, it is, sir. It's the first day of Advent. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we just got out of the, uh, the lunar eclipse last night. We made it. So we got a solar one coming up on the 14th of this month. Wait, wait, wait. Slow down. When was... <laughs> Calm down, Nostradamus. When was the fucking lunar eclipse? It was, uh, well, I guess it was Sunday night <clears throat> till yesterday. And, uh, How long was it? I did, I was completely unaware of this. It was like a full moon too, right? Yeah. Yep. It had a big old ring around it. I and didn't it see it in angular. person. I right. slept through that one. I'm not gonna lie. Yeah, I just looked at yeah. it kind of in between running to and from to the garage and to the house. So I didn't I didn't like it ends up skewed by tree, so I didn't like get a great look, but oh, cool. What's that Bauhaus album, The Sky's Gone Out? You're like, oh look, the sky's gone out. <laughs> Exactly. The sky's gone out. Uh, hey, so I guess it's the first of December. It's Advent season and uh, 2020, baby. And we have our friend Josh, um, last name redacted, on the pod today. Hey, Josh, how are you doing? Doing right. Yeah. Yes, sir. Did you care to elaborate <laughs> on that? <laughs> uh, just doing my best to not be uh, too gloom and doom about things. Trying to make it through. That's you know, right, baby. That's what we're that's what we're all trying to do right now. So mm-hmm. you know, uh, you guys could uh, click the affiliate code to my gold website, um, and you know, uh, that'd be really helpful. Is that what you're clicking on? Is that what you're clicking on? Is if you, you, if you yeah. click it yourself, do you get your own? You get points accrued as well. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah, it gives me bit, it gives me bitcoins too. So we'll just hear you clicking throughout. If that's what you, if you hear that, yeah, that's what that is. Yeah, Josh has tried to uh, lasso both Kit and myself into his fucking Bitcoin schemes uh, over the Not last really. couple months. You tried to sell me it's this big be... this big coin that's got Trump on it. Yeah. So yeah. It's a, it's well, the World coin. Economic the the World Economic Forum's gonna get us all on blockchain anyway so you know, get prepared for the great reset folks <laughs> whether you like it or not so anyway um, well, maybe I, yeah, but in maybe all I seriousness like yeah in all seriousness uh well speaking i guess of yeah, was, stuff i mean i i noticed you guys i think you both liked that that thing i posted about what's happening before the end of the year right there's a, a solar eclipse and there's a what was the other one? The Jupiter and Saturn alignment, great conjunction, one of the mm-hmm. greatest. And then the, it's, the, it's going to be the biggest. It's going to be the biggest, greatest, most beautiful conjunction of yeah, exactly. the last eight hundred and sixty. Make the conjunction years. great again, baby. It's that's uh, what it was about the be, whole time. Well, it's, it's, it's be fitting because we from have the... the triplicity of Earth to air, so we're going to be in Aquarius, which is. You know, a lot of people are like, "Oh, this is going to be the age of Aquarius." So, it's fitting because Saturn. we have the we have the coronation of a new Caesar coming through. So that's why that's an important thing. There, there was a time right. when this sort of thing would necessitate a lot of sacrifices and a whole lot of like trumpet blaring and excitement amongst the hoi polloi. 
There's only well, one I mean, Trump blaring right now. <laughs> he's not blaring is. hard enough. He's not looking too good anymore. He's on the ropes. Yeah. He's, he's looking pretty bad. He's kind been of changing cucked. the subject and stuff. Ladies and gentlemen, the president's been cucked. <laughs> yeah, well, so so that's one of the that's one of the, that's one of the things that I think is really interesting is finally hearing people say that uh, Bill Barr is likely deep state, which is interesting because in my examinations of Q in Pizzagate, I've noticed conspicuously William Barr has been missing yeah. from yes. any of their their narrative and For some uh, fucking reason, you know, yeah, yeah <laughs> I wonder what his, that would his, be. His dad was the guy who uh, gave Epstein his uh, first job at the Dalton School, while right, Epstein yeah. was uh, non-credentialed. And uh, yeah, uh, I was talking to a kid about this a few days ago, that Donald Barr actually was in the OSS, which for yeah. those who are not in the know, the OSS is the predecessor to the CIA. So yeah, I think that fits a little bit more tightly with the long game. My suspicion. Yeah, my suspicion is the more these, uh, these people with the, the pedo thing is m- more likely just compromat, not, yeah. you know, uh, sucking uh, adrenochrome out of children's skulls or whatever. It's, it's a little bit more banali evil than mm-hmm. you know, grand yeah. um, Indian narrative. By way of a uh, quick introduction here, just to sort of like get things on the human level there, Josh is sort of like our resident um, right wing whisperer. I've known him to personally spend a lot of time on Omegle talking to people who are all the way across the spectrum from crypto Nazis to actual fascists to all sorts of people. And he does it in, in actually sort of like a very benevolent way to try to like, I admire it actually, to try to get people to. Um, maybe hear out their own ideas and and sound out the flaws in their own thinking and uh before we launch into i mean on that note i'd say before we launch into any uh very serious examination of the world around us right now i just want everyone to take a moment and give us a piece of personal news i'll, I'll start myself um i have just moved into a new place that I, for the first time in like, you know, three and a half years, and it's, it's nice. And while I was doing that, I uncovered a whole bunch of relics from living in a house for a long time. And one of them was a box of clothes that I don't recognize from anybody that I think I know. I just, just ended up there. Anyway, long story short, I've been wearing a pair of snowboarding pants for the last week <laughs> because I found them in this box just chilling out in my garage and they're ultra comfortable and they're made for somebody who's much taller and fatter than myself so it sort of feels like having a sleeping bag on at all times and uh i i have to say life's pretty good right now so i don't know if you gentlemen want to tell me a little slice of life of what you got going on but that's what i have josh you want to go first uh i ran out of pipe tobacco today so <laughs> did you replace it like no, there's not a tobacconist in Humboldt, so... Yeah, what about John's? I don't know what Over John's on Myrtle. John Cigars over on Myrtle. That's a free advertisement, guys. Yeah. Right over by Sal's Myrtlewood Lounge. All right, I'll keep that in mind. Maybe go grab some Chipotle. Fantastic selection of pipe tobacco. Um, mm-hmm. American, domestic, European. Yeah. Not to mention assorted alcohols. I'm trying to get sponsored here. 
But yeah. They got the whole deal. And Josh, correct me if I'm wrong, but you were a Nat Sherman guy before this whole thing hit, right? Then you oh, sw- yeah. switched I mean, to being I... a pipe smoker. Well... <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, I'm asking questions. I'm, I'm being serious here. I'm just asking. Yeah. Um, yeah, Nat Sherman appears to have uh, gone out of business or Alteria or whatever. <laughs> the, the, com- the company has sold yeah. off the line that made the quality cigarettes and is now just uh, doing Nats, which are the really terrible... Uh, mm. equivalent of American spirits that aren't as good as American spirits, which I think are pretty foul as well. So if that says anything. Yeah. It's, it's all one company and they're from like Bahrain and their whole thing right now is like, they're, they're like, let's move away from the tobacconist department and move more towards the sla- human slavery department. And that's how that has gone yeah, down. They found like a new synthetic form of tobacco or something or slowly usher in or something. It's like a mixture of cobalt and depleted uranium. <laughs> Yeah, it gives you popcorn lung immediately, but only, <laughs> yeah. only, only during the grand solar minimum. Which uh... if you die, if you die of popcorn lung, though, you can't get COVID. That's a fact. So, who's looking foolish now? Actually, the one thing I'm a little concerned about is, uh, yeah, if I stop smoking tobacco, am I going to get COVID? Because my lungs right. That's a, just eat a shitload of vitamin D. Well, there's that extra chromosome thing too, like or it's an extra. Uh, isn't that, or no, sorry, chromosome. Uh, uh, I don't think it's an extra chromosome that keeps you from getting COVID, but that would be fucking amazing because that would be the stand. That would be the stand. But if everybody had Down syndrome, which would like be what are the amazing. neural connections for tobacco? Is what I'm just trying to talk about. Like something about that. Like the ACE, the ACE two something to, yeah, yeah, right. Yeah. No, but I think I think trisomy no, COVID nineteen is. Uh, is going to be the new genetic, the new genetic new strain, uh, yeah. Base, yeah. So the it, crown, you know, with a with the Moderna vaccine, it's going to give everybody trisomy nineteen. That's something that I like thought about in my like just darkest conspiratorial hour, you know, kind of moment. Like, and it's a as a thought or experiment. It's like, I mean, if they really wanted to, you know, it's like they don't the vaccine again. It's like it's just it's all fluff, similar like to say like these pedo stories and all these kinds of like exterior things of like the things that are yesteryear that are like threatening and bad that we want to tackle, tackle and talk about but it's like if they wanted to give you like anything I feel like you could just like grow it into a plant you could get it into the vape <coughs> pen you could i mean it's like it seems fairly easy but i don't know i guess maybe the industries aren't completely aligned or whatever but no we're actually living in probably the most exciting age for the vape industry because it's like it's when it's at its most snake oil medicine kind of thing but it's also when it said it's most pure before it's been like completely codified and taken over by like Bayer and fucking yeah, all those like that's giant evil conglomerates that's what's like the double-edged sword about the legalization of like shrooms and stuff like recently mm-hmm. and like you know I mean like, coke is you know that was like people were like talking about that like as if it was a good thing but I mean one of my one of my favorite things that I about my personal history of learning about like the drug world or whatever was reading about the early LSD trials that the government did and just seeing that they used injections and just imagining that, like, you could inject LSD. God, yeah. <laughs> like, yeah, do you know anybody? I don't think any of us know anybody who's ever injected LSD into their body. Dude. <laughs> but that was, like, a thing that you did in a, you know, I mean, Whitey, Whitey Bulger, who who was the, uh, you know, famous uh, mafioso... Uh, uh, Irish mafioso in in uh, Boston. The Departed is kind of based on him. When he was in prison, he signed up for the 
uh, LSD studies. That was one of the ways that he got out early when he was young, a young man. And they literally gave him injections. Um, so he was an MK... So that wasn't, that wasn't ultra, he was an MK Ultra guy. Yeah, he would, yeah. And, and he said that it was horrifying. They would just like give him the shit and then he would be in solitary confinement for like 48 hours just like frying his mind out just thinking about Sickest murder and trip stuff. ever. Yeah, just lying in there listening to people scream and piss on the floors and just like yeah, <laughs> just lying that's... there staring at the ceiling like just basically internalizing hell into your psyche. Yeah. I mean, I mean that's that's what taking acid alone is like a lot of times though if it's quiet enough you kind of just feel like that anyway. So, mm-hmm. I mean, I don't yeah. know about you, pal, but I've never really had that experience. exercise your inner demons for sure. But uh Oh, it's de- it definitely feels like, you know, you opened up the the lament configuration or something if you if you do it in the that's right what, way, you know. That's what eating weed is like for me. If I eat te- if I eat edibles, huh. If I do that, like, that's, like, when I get into the hell zone. Yeah, I can. that happens to a lot of people, I feel like. Yeah. Get in the dying that's zone. I get, I'd I, rather die than go through that. It, t- it's so bad. <laughs> I took, like, a, I took a, uh, I got, like, some kind of tincture weed a little bit ago, like, some, like, a thousand milligram one little droplet, and, uh, or, like, it was dosed out, of, it was like, that was the total amount, and I think, so I took, like, two droppers, probably, and then I went on, like, a walk with Audrey, like, and it was, like... Uh, I got all like kind of nervous, like early stoner nervous feeling for a, a minute, but then I felt okay for after a while. But but yeah, yeah, I, I, I get that if. I... Huh? Yeah. No, go ahead. Yeah. I just get that if I smoke it, like the come up is too quick, and it just gets my heart rate heart rate up so much that I just feel like I'm about to die, and then yeah. everything sucks. But if I if I take like a small edible or cigarettes don't do that to you, cannabis cool. Do cigarettes get oh, your no. blood? No. See, I, I feel like cigarettes get my, my blood pumping more. Oh, uh, well, I mean, heart you know, if, I, if I use the fit, but it might say otherwise, but <laughs> it's not noticeable. Noticeable. Yeah, yeah. This one time when I was about 12, um, I was at my aunt's house and my uncle had made a bunch of martinis and like, a, or sorry, not martinis, uh, margaritas and a giant uh, pitcher. And um, I'd been eating these strawberry gusher candies all day and swimming in the pool and my aunt had a pool it was like a nice house you know they're the rich people in the family and my uncle came out with these margaritas for everybody and then my brother my middle one who's kind of like he was the asshole when we were kids he pushed him into the pool and my uncle held the margaritas aloft and then they got passed over to my other uncle who's like floating along in a little raft in the pool who grabbed them and then I was just hanging off my that uncle's raft because we were kind of like homies. And I just reached up and I grabbed the thing, the pitcher of margaritas, and I took a giant sip as like sort of like a amazing. And then I would say the next five minutes or so of just like floating next to that pool with like the strawberry gushers I'd been eating. And then this mar- margarita going through my bloodstream and suddenly like everything's just like warm and one thing if there was a drug that could replicate that i would want that shit in my veins yeah but that's like, but thus thus far i've not found that well it's how you start chasing the dragon right you're always looking for the yeah. feeling again <laughs> yeah that's because exactly. like that sounds like an inescapable like a, a, a uh, an irretrievable child moment where it's just like everything just just right like you just said like the gushers it's all right there 
I can see it's it. It's experiential. Yeah. Oh, you can feel it. You can feel it. It's like a really hot August day and it's like you can smell the oak trees and everything's just wonderful. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's probably really what Pete, that's really, probably what ping pong pizza does is they get kids to have that first experience and then they just <laughs> figure out a way. And it's just like, you know, like they they don't actually even kidnap or kill the kids. They just have a way of like distilling the Chuck E. Cheese energy. Oh no. Uh, the extraction machine. Yeah, it's like uh <laughs> That's what a dream that's what adrenochrome is. It's just happy childhood memories because everyone who was ever striving to become a politician, everyone who was ever like always like pushing, you know, to like become this fucking like you know, brown noser and get ahead in life and all that stuff. They never had those happy childhood. They're failed. Yeah, it's a forgotten childhood thing. Yeah. So it's like it's like it's yeah, it's what they could never experience that innocence because they were always just fucking Machiavellian fucking snakes their entire lives. There they is never like, understood human like warmth. Yeah. There's a total like yeah like alchemical psychological <laughs> thing like that. I swear to God, like on both sides though, it's like not only the people like the the Chelsea Clintons of the world, but also like. The people that are on the outside looking in going like oh my god your mother's a pedophile and you're probably a pedophile too she probably fed you a baby when you're you know what i mean like it's the mm-hmm. same like projected lost innocence and lost childhood of like not getting to experience it because yeah. it's through whatever the adrenal crumbs always better on the other side you know <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah 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 exactly the, yeah oh damn that's dark gentlemen We've so, dark notes so far. We, we can talk about some fail children. I think that actually might be a good place to uh, start this, crack this off on the right, uh, <laughs> right tip here. Okay. Because currently we have uh, some fail children trying to get um, immunity or pardons from the Trump administration, including uh, Jared Kushner and... Number one, in my opinion, Rudy Giuliani, who has been a failure uh, <laughs> since since day one. Uh, you know, his first wife was his second cousin. I don't know if Great. anybody's... Uh, it's wonderful. No, that's his yeah. second yeah. wife, I thought. I thought his second no, wife was... No, that was, was his first, that was first. His, that was yeah. his first wife. He tried to yeah. do the real royal thing. He was. Yeah. Tra- oh, he was, he yeah. tried during the Royal Society of the Jesters a long time ago, but we yeah. just couldn't let him in. <laughs> yeah. He, he he threw an Italian twist into it. That's mm-hmm. all that was. It was just like, mm-hmm. hey, fuck what you know. Hey, what are we doing? I'm hey. trying to have my guma. All right. Yeah. I'm trying to have my guma in my fucking family pictures. Hey, let me <laughs> let me put some ricotta up in your manicotti. Hey. You know? So, yeah. All right, Josh, was, that's was, enough. It was really interesting seeing him, you know, try to... Say something about the uh, the first black mayor of New York City and get epically owned about how he basically started a race riot uh, against that guy and that's sort of Dinkins how... David Dinkins yeah yeah so um, yeah we're dealing with some real normal ones here but um, so going down the Giuliani rabbit hole led me to Joseph De Geneva who is uh, sorry if you don't mind clicking a little bit here. But he, yeah, you've been doing it the whole time. <laughs> no, I haven't. But um, yeah, so this guy was responsible for kind of cracking open the Marion Barry scandal. I don't know if you're familiar with that. Yeah, Marion Barry was the crack smoking DC mayor who famously said the bitch set me up when he got caught on video by basically smoking crack with a um, 
sex worker and then was reelected, subsequently reelected. So Marion Barry is officially in my personal cool hall of fame. Yeah, he's pretty but, based. Uh, I mean, he's like he's yeah. like if uh, Rob Ford was more like a like a Willie Brown instead of uh, the guy from if Rob uh, For- if Rob Ford was in Public Enemy, that's <laughs> that's Marion Barry. Yeah. So yeah, Geneva also did some uh, searching for uh, Bill Clinton's passports um, and just did a whole bunch of weird weird shit, but uh, he's really come to his own since 2016 uh, as a Fox News commentator where he was accusing FBI officials to frame Trump, and then he and his wife started a, a, a legal firm and they joined Trump's team for the special counsel investigation. There's a whole bunch of crazy shit on that where he's basically was saying that uh, in February of 2019, he said on the Laura Ingram's podcast that the U.S. is already in a civil war and to prepare for total war by buying guns. Uh, Just a few days ago, he was saying that uh, Krebs, the guy who's kind of uh, Trump's former cybersecurity czar who said that the election likely wasn't stolen should be drawn and quartered like a, like a Faith No More video or something like that and pulled in, into pieces. Are uh, we still doing that? Like when was okay. the last time someone just on that note too, I saw something that someone, it got quietly kind of passed. It was like the, another AG bar thing uh, where uh, like uh, ex- new ex- new forms of execution being like, yeah, that's like on that same tip for sure. Gary Gilmore's eyes. That was that whole thing. Gary Gilmore, the guy who was executed by a firing squad in Utah, and his eyes were given or, or donated or whatever, uh, Oregon donated. Was it Norman Mailer oh. wrote about? I think, yeah, Norman Mailer wrote about that in the Executioner's song. Interesting. And then there was the song, Gary Gilmore's Eyes. They did but not. Yeah. By Gary Glitter. <laughs> by Gary Glitter? Oh, no. Yeah. No, Josh. <laughs> yeah. Ooh, zing. Um, but. When I want to ask this seriously, when was the last time someone was actually drawn and quartered, like, oh, as, as a not not as like a I'm not talking about like a hate crime that happens in Texas, you know, like in the '90s. I'm talking about like an actual like officially government sanctioned Marina Abramovic art piece, I guess maybe or something like that. Oh. <laughs> She had one of her ex-boyfriends drawn and quartered in, like, yeah. Slovenia, where it was still legal or something. <laughs> yeah, and then they used the blood for spirit cooking or exactly. whatever. The first, yeah, the first version, the first one. <laughs> All right. I'm sorry. I'll stop. Keep going. Where are we at? Where are we at? Yeah. So, well, gosh. yeah, so DeGeneva is one of the big guys who had uh, – he was representing uh, – well, he actually – Lev Parnas, who is – this guy that we consistently keep hearing about that, um, you know, I have no fucking clue who he is, but he, I guess he was caught up in the the, the foreign interference uh, scandal. So he was arrested by the FBI uh, and accused of funneling foreign money into the U.S. elections. So he's just a guy who's working for DeGeneva. Um and, you know, he's one of the big, you know, Soros is, uh, Soros controls 
the State Department kind of guy. Um, but he's been a part of the whole Sidney Powell, you know, unleash the Kraken thing. And it's kind of interesting because he's also does representation for this guy, John Solomon, who I was doing a little bit of a deep dive a couple weeks ago because I saw this website called Just the News where when I was in like right-wing Twitter sphere for a while, I was just seeing like all of the uh, election interference stuff all kind of like goes into this self-contained ecosystem of the Dominion conspiracy. It's really just like Just the News, OAN, Newsmax, uh, and some of these look more credible than others. Uh, so just seeing that this John Solomon guy is connected to DeGeneva was really interesting because the just the news site is basically just peddling, you know, baseless stuff like, you know, dead Venezuelan presidents or interfering with the election, which, again, like, I'm not such a normie that I think that uh, our vote is not tampered with in the United States. I just think it's interesting that when the company's called Dominion versus when it was called <laughs> Diebold, uh, certain people care a little bit more about that sort of tampering when uh, certain people are winning. So, yeah, but Dominion basically was Premier Voting Solutions, which was Diebold, which a lot of people in 2000, 2004 thought delivered the results that George Bush, son of a former CIA director, wanted. Okay. So pretty interesting stuff. So yeah, and it's just been interesting watching and like looking at these new um, platforms or new sites that are getting a lot more traction since Fox appears to be deep state to a lot of these people. Right, uh, totally. Like just looking at the who's funding them, like you know, Parler. Um, Dan Bongino said that he was basically one of the major stakeholders, but then it turns out it's actually Rebecca Mercer who has about the same face to head ratio as Charlie Kirk. Um, that, that's one thing that I'm a little confused. About I think you need to explain who all those people are though, real quick, just for our, our listeners, Dan Bongino, Rebecca Mercer. Okay. Charlie Dan Kirk. Bongino is a former uh, secret service agent that became a uh, Fox news Post and uh, kind of a right-wing huckster. Uh, he actually worked in the Obama administration, uh, which is kind of interesting because he doesn't really have any, like, super hot inside information on the Obama administration, even though he was a Secret Service agent for Obama. So They probably didn't let him too far in. It's like it's not, it's not, it's not his time to talk about it, too, or something. They, you know? they, they, uh, and they didn't want him too, too much into the operation, I'm going to guess. Yeah, I mean, I feel like people like that too. Like, yeah, I think you're, like you're right. They kept on a short leash because it's kind of like, I feel like it's kind of a similar thing, um, mm -hmm. archetype with like Alex Jones, where it's just like this guy's, this, you know, how to like keep him on a certain leash so that like the proclivities help us, right? Like, it's the kind of thing or something. But um, yeah, I don't like. He seems like he just like slotted right in there somehow. You know what I mean? As, it, as many it, as new pundits did, especially like on as Twitter form formed and stuff like that. Right. You know. It's also worth noting that Dan Bongino looks like if the creators of Doom were told by, like, the higher-ups, like, hey, so 
we've been doing the white guy character for too long. We need to make it more multi-ethnic. And they're like, oh, okay, we'll just darken the character's skin a few shades and uh, make his head even more improbably, like, square-shaped and his cheekbones even more improbably bizarre. He looks like, basically, like, the uh, multicultural face of fascism, if that would make sense. Yeah. Well, I mean, that reminds me, too, yeah. what was it that Biden talked about uh, getting the guy who's the head for the head of the CIA is this black dude who is like who is this blocker like, blocker yeah like i guess that's blocker, what, like, yeah, yeah daryl blocker and the blockhead i don't know why that was i think that was what was thinking in the back of my mind not to say that they're either mm -hmm. either are blockheads but i mean just like the i mean in the, in the cia sense they are it's like they're they're like yeah. they're too deeply compromised and trained whatever the fuck they're, they have done like historically like i mean just even like reading the thing People, a lot of people were yeah, he was, he was, a, he was in Africa. Yeah. Exactly. They're like, yeah, the, the CIA, whatever, of Africa. And it's like, okay, if that doesn't make you just go like, fuck, holy, well, what the fuck? And that makes it... makes it Right, like, let's see what's been happening for the last three decades in Africa. Yeah. Oh, dear Lord. Right, exactly. <laughs> and it, like, that's not been... <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> ...by the meddling hands of the CIA and the yeah. funding of this and that and back yeah. and forth and whoever, both sides seeing it, whatever the fuck, like... It's just like, dude, come on! Like, it's a little bit. It's, it's he was a he was a fact checker on Hotel that's Rwanda. That's the other thing. Movie. I mean, I think that this is this is something that I just like. This is just a phenomenon I noticed. It's like this process of uh, humiliation or like derealization on both sides again, where it's just kind of like Trump becomes a failure. Everything just kind of like and like and Biden and everybody so on the nose, such an on the nose irony to like everything mm. that was asked for and it would be desired it's almost like the inversion of it but like you're supposed to be like well this is go this is great and then like and there's this funny shit like i was thinking about the when the biden's dog thing right like it's like a that major that well there's that the well, yeah, major but, thing but he, but he but he but he just he just he just broke his uh he just broke his ankle is that what you're talking about well, there's that. No, yeah. that's, there's that part of it too. That's like the first part. The Canis Major kind of like astrotheological, mythological angle, but also just like his dog is like the breed of like, you know, the ones that were respected the most by like Nazis and like stuff like that. So it's just kind of like a little funny, you know. It's a little bit like yeah. silly. I mean, people like you know made fun of Trump all the time. He's like, oh, he didn't have a dog. What a fucking like cold freak and it's like sure yeah and biden like rolls in with like a manhunter I mean, yeah exactly but you know he comes in with like, the <laughs> ultimate like yeah cop dog and it's like okay and then you break yeah. his ankle or whatever it's just like it's just yeah like, no i've got a dog I've, I've, it's also it's also like in your pie in your face moment right that's and that's to me it's like yeah. ego death thing it's like again it's like you're supposed to like have this humiliation process to be like oh no all this is bullshit no this is all bullshit on some level yeah yeah and um, and, 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 and we just get we get this kind of like trickle down egg on our face you know like yeah. our heroes get to get it but we don't even really get to get hide by the biotic break we're getting on the in joke like aspect of it so to speak right yeah if if i had a child i would be describing to her right now that diversity means it, diversity in politics means that everybody uh you have a bunch of different people from various backgrounds who all agree that she shouldn't have social security when she's older like, that's essentially what that is. It's basically just like, oh, no, it's really beautiful. You have uh, Ajit Pai, who was the first uh, Indian-American um, head of the FCC who decided that that should be a fully privatized utility and that the public should never have any access to it. Yeah, well, the, the United States citizens paid for the whole DARPA 
Yeah. Right. No, but yeah. but the important thing is that we had we reached a milestone because of an Indian American man was the one who completely ruined any hope of it being a shared public utility. So we can all be happy about that. Yeah, it's like the same have, thing with like we have we have Neera Tandon talking about. Yeah, I was just going to say that it's like the same thing with Neera Tandon. Yeah, is is an entitlement when like you know I don't know how much of an entitlement it is if I'm paying out of every yeah. single paycheck right. for my social yeah. security. I don't like, <laughs> really appreciate the the rhetoric of that being an entitlement program. Like I'm exactly. just like some right, but I have to ask. But I have a, but Josh, 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 Josh. I have to ask you. Why do you hate strong women of color? Yeah, I, I, I because don't know. that's I mean, he's kind of got you there. That's the answer. To, yeah, that's yeah, dude. You're yeah. So yeah, so it's true that Neera Tannen wants to immiserate our lives and make sure that we're living in a form of economic slavery from birth to death, and that our children are essentially serfs to like the power elite. But why do you hate women of color? I mean, well, this this is what's really cynical too. I just watched the Tim Dillon interview with Candace Owens, and it oh, was yeah, it was so what's it was that like? so it was it was rough, you know. Like Tim Dillon, I don't think is, I'd enjoy that. Again, I don't think I'd enjoy that. Yeah. Somebody who, uh, you know, has the ability to say that, all right, you know, I'm not a right winger, I'm not a left winger, I'm a queer man, comedian, you know, all of you people just are trying to censor me. And, you know, like, he's interesting. Like, I, I think it's cool that he interviewed Whitney Webb and some of these other, like, alternative journalists that I don't think are just entirely, like, right-wing shills. Right. Uh, which, again, I think is sort of, like, what I'm more trying to talk about here than anything else is that there's a whole garden path of right-wing narratives that are meant to be, like, the alternative media that are really just, uh, you know, just as obsessed with power as what people on the right would say the mainstream media is. I mean, sure, Anderson Cooper was, you know, did his uh, internship at the CIA, but if you look at Newsmax, he's also a like Vanderbilt. News, yeah, but Newsmax was started by uh, Mellons, who had William Casey, uh, the CIA, basically on the board of directors for it. So. It's like, so I got a question. This this break. This, I, I got to ask you this though, because I'm interested in this. Do you think there'll come a time where identity won't be so exciting to people anymore? I'm not talking about people who are like, you know, the average person uh, in who's like marginalized uh, economically, who already thinks that the identity thing is like bullshit and stupid. I'm talking about like liberals. Do you think there'll come like a time when like whatever's left of like the nascent middle class, the dying middle class, or whatever? Do you think there'll ever come a time when they'll be like, yeah, it doesn't matter that Anderson Cooper and Rachel Maddow are queer. They are fucking gendarmes for like the power elite of this country who are absolutely brutalizing most of the people who live in this country. Like, do you think there will come a time when that trick won't work anymore? Is that because I feel like that might just be like a boomer thing or like a Gen X thing. It's like they're compensating for like some weird kind of guilt. But like. Will there be a well, time where people it, like, it, it, I don't it, fucking it, it, care anymore? To answer your question, I believe yes. Once every single liberal is owned, like every white liberal gets owned by somebody else who's another white liberal for saying something mm -hmm. insensitive or deterministic or, you know. That's going to uh, do it? 
I, it has to. I mean, that's that's why well, I think that's why the the right has like had such a resurgence. I, is once you get called a racist, you get pretty bummed out about like identity politics, whether you are or not. So yeah, I mean, I don't really the, care if I get called a racist or not. If my arguments are essentially class based, I really don't care. Well, it depends. But so you're still like in a in a middle zone, like too, where it's like kind of like okay, so. This is kind of what I was trying to say in this humiliation process, too. So it's like, okay, you've got the destruction of, like, reality on one level, right? It's got yeah. kind of, like, just, like, a referable reality on some level. And then there's, like, the destruction of the coherence of the left or something like that, you know? Right? So it, which constantly plays into the hands of the right through, like, this, like, the undermining. And it's kind of like, well, I don't know. Uh, I guess I'll just bloop. And you kind of just, like, end up in falling that way. You know what I mean? There's kind of, like, an inevitability to that. But I think it's a similar thing that's somewhat happening, a little pie in the face on the on the right, a little bit, but it's in the way and it's being done in a way where it's like what's being really like replaced is like, you know, mall, mom, QAnon, like pod people. Like it's they're all one and the same at the end of the line, you know, like if they're not, they're actually, yeah. they make like a Venn diagram, you know, in a, in a sense. And it's like, it's really the people that are kind of like, uh, I don't know, in, in this quasi mix of like, I think like, just like wanting to retain a sense of like, like you're saying, like, I think that there's also a big part of this, part, like you're saying, like, what's, what's it going to be and like, not people online or whatever, but it's like, in a sense, that's a big part of it too, because the people that are not online, which is a broad swath of people, the more and more people, but you know, inevitably more and more. So it's like really that, that, you know, brings in this whole aspect of like storytelling and just like what's going on. It's a narration, like the narrative, like Josh is saying, it's like, the narratives you don't realize are like, oh, this is actually being given to me or fed to me kind of by like a right-wing source. And then now it's like putting my, it's making me skeptical of this and this and this, but for what really, what for what reason really? Is it really because those things even have a truth value to them? Like it, uh, ultimately, or is it just because it puts me into a certain disposition, just a dispositionality towards that, those things and towards like the, the other side that says this and this and this, and I can go, well, don't you, haven't you seen this? And so it kind of just creates the banter back and forth in this like storytelling, like narrative, you know, theater of the world thing. That's why I, want, I wanted to get that Francis Yates book. Cause I was like, I've been thinking a lot about that and like theater of cruelty and like our Todd and all that kind of stuff. And like mapping that onto the world, you know, like more so, or like at least in the kind of a, you know, theater of war, you know, just taking the metaphor to its nth degree, but in a similar kind of just like storyteller, like, because I think on some level that's like people don't believe things very much so much as they just kind of like repeat things and say things. And so like it's really hard to like get to the point where you could like say for certain that I really believe this and I'm going to stand my ground. And you know what I mean? Like because you don't have to go you have to go through like some kind of form of experience to like even have that much of a a relationship to your beliefs, you know? So it's like the ones especially that get tossed around in the abstract and online are so, so disconnected to the broader swath that it's like you're kind of just doing like some kind of like you know uh some kind of mancy you know some kind of form of mancy you're trying to like read the signs and just be like figure it out like okay this and this and this you know and it's like i don't know and then it gets like, oh, it's like yeah, politics yeah. that's why politics and sports always fall back into each other because there's like there's becomes this kind of like gaming of it and that becomes attractive too but truth oh mancy i mean i think <laughs> the the main thing to again just to, to harp on is that i don't know what the other side looks like I would say that it has been a good opportunity to talk to a lot of random people who are younger and see that 
while a lot of these people are like Trump or Biden or what's your ideology. Uh, a lot of people that I speak to that are extremely online that are younger <clears throat> have at least uh, a passing notion of what the other side thinks, which is a net good at the end of the day. And um, I just think that, you know, kind of dispelling people's ideas that like the subcultures that they're affiliated with or the quote unquote countercultures of like QAnon or whatever are actually contrary to the power systems that they have problems with because it's, you know, to bring it back to like kind of square one of conspiracism, right? It's like there are people who have an interest in keeping other people divided and to keep people fighting amongst themselves for the table scraps while the people in power laugh. And I don't want to say it's the elites or a cabal or whatever. I think that there's uh, different contending groups of powerful people with different visions for what they see the world to be, but it doesn't mean that they're not ultra rich. And I don't think that there's one particular like narrative that they have. I mean, it's like we have people who I would say are like, I don't want to say like a heroic, and this is going to sound really cringe to say, but like, I think of Elon Musk much more as like an anti-hero or maybe like a very benign villain compared to his former business partner, Peter Till, who's like a complete villain. You know what I mean? And it's like <laughs> people talk yeah. about like the Mercers. I mean, people talk about Soros all the time and, you know, Bill Gates and sure. all of these like conspiracies around that, but then they don't like really look at the Bannon Mercer complex, which is really, really dark shit too. Like, if well, you totally. look at it's like they're like the clownish the covers. Yeah. Or no, Alex Jones is the clownish cover. You know, Giuliani's a clownish cover. I think that do you yeah. think Alex Jones really makes enough money from selling boner pills? I mean, there these things are like completely astroturfed somewhere. And I don't think it's just yeah. his viewership or like Turning Point USA or Prager U. I don't think that Dennis Prager has enough money to just fund that. It's coming from people who are probably are the Koch brothers, you know? Um, yeah. But it's, but they phone it's both just... sides usually, you know what I mean? That's the thing too, is that they kind of like, they'll do what oh, comes yeah, to play with their I... interests, right? So there's like, there's even not like an ideological alignment process per se. There's maybe like a, in my heart of hearts, I hope and I wish that, you know, for these people, for certain, for everyone really, right? But and that's kind of what I was going to say. She's like, each and every vision still contending in the world too, kind of evolutionarily or, you know, I don't want to be like that Dawkins like viral meme kind of thing, but it's like oh, on a certain level things are like, it's not like things are finalized, right? Contingency is still a part of the process. And so there's like a kind of, uh, you know, people are still have to push. Like I want to do like push for this style of it. And like people are like, no, well, let's, no, let's do it this way and let's do it this way. And it's like, that's even an inner, that's, those are inner fights on upper levels. Like, right. Like you're saying, like those make for factional differences for people who are already ultra rich that could be otherwise aligned. And then they do things like that and they make these, you know, organizations or think, think tanks or something like that to kind of try to do even that. You know what I mean? Like, so it's like a constant process of like sewing out these like folds and like, Oh, I got to iron this shit out, you know? Yeah. I mean, it's like the right has the Hoover institution they have the University of Chicago. They have all these things that are super, super, super uber conservative. 
But then we hear about how academia is just like the most evil thing in the world uh, because people teach, you know, critical race theory or whatever, which, you know, like, I don't know how uh, important it is, but I also don't think it's the most malignant thing in the world. I think the malignancy is when critical race theory, to bring it back to near tandem, becomes like, well, we need to have like more women of color doing drone strikes or saying it's tight that we're invading, that we're going to extract oil from Libya because we uh, brought them democracy at the barrel of a gun, you know, like people are so people on the right are so like fucking wigged out about uh, Benghazi instead of like the fact that we overthrew Libya. You know, like that's yeah. that's the weirdest part of the narrative to me is that Well no, because they're not mad about us like overthrowing Libya whatsoever. They're mad about the fact that like somebody on our side who the right would not have recognized as someone that they cared about anyway, that ambassador in question, Christopher, whatever his name is, was a gay man and he was somebody who was essentially a Democrat. It's not somebody who they care about. It's the idea that they can like utilize it cynically to complain about the democratic version of this experiment in um, imperialism. But yeah, never I mean, at any it, point is the question of imperialism up, you know, it's not like, oh, why were we doing this to begin with? What What, what is the whole point of any of this? Um, uh, why did we interview? Well, these are the same people that, conflict? the same people that laud Dan Crenshaw for losing an eye because he got, you know, blown up by an IED while Maisie Hirono like lost all of her limbs basically and they'll still talk shit on her you know uh it's just it's a matter of like consistency and fairness that I don't necessarily expect from people but I think it's important to expose people on the right to the fact that they're being played just as much as they think uh, the mainstream narrative plays people, which right. I agree to a greater extent that that does happen. Um, I would say that, like, I believe the New York Times is a little more fact-based than, say, the Washington Examiner or something like that. But uh, it's important to, again, look at all the different sources of things. I mean, and, <clears throat> like, just seeing the Project Veritas drops of this cnn thing that it's just it's so ridiculous like i don't know if you guys have looked okay. at that and like what project veritas did to acorn like sure they caught some people doing some like kind of shady yeah shit, but, but you, do you know who really killed acorn people. what really killed acorn was fucking obama because yeah, yeah project veritas did that but then acorn obama did the same thing that he did to the reverend jeremiah Wright. he threw them under the fucking bus he didn't fight for them he didn't push for any sort of like um, real examination of what was happening there. He was just like, all right, yeah. And the Democratic Party went along with that and, and was just sort of in, in the same vein, like, yeah, okay. It's well, you got Acorn us. actually helped like people of color and poor people. Like, that is, yes, it's, and it's you know, it's always easy to find like an anecdotal, like, le- weakest link in the chain or a low hanging fruit to like discredit a whole organization but yeah uh but yeah at the end of the day like neoliberals whether they're democrats or republicans don't give a fuck about you no they don't that's the really salient point that needs to be made here right now that's the thing that like i i feel like 
you know how uh, in the 90s, uh, conspiracy theorists were kind of like largely apolitical because they just sort of like just didn't trust the government, whatever that meant. But it sort mm-hmm. of meant like everybody. And then it became really polarized over time. I think we mm-hmm. need to move back to the idea of if you're going to have any conspiratorial, you know, investigation, you have well, to yeah. start with the position that the government no matter who is in charge is essentially like really bad for you. Yeah, no, that's that's a good point. So I mean, that reminds me too like so people make fun of like Bukayama, right, for the end of history book, right? Taking the Hegelian kind of thing yeah. to its nth degree and, and it's like neocon formation of like the neocons that were Trotskyists that were Hegelians, so to speak, right? And that's what I'm trying to say though too, like what, what's like, like I agree with you that the left, left media and all that kind of stuff is clearly like more, um, uh, more truthful, more fact-based, but there's an aspect in that, that, you know, and don't get me wrong here, but it's like, there's a certain like inheriting, inheriting of the historical process kind of idea, I think. And so there's a sense in which to, to announce the end of history from like even like nineties or whatever, it's like kind of like an esoteric, like dog whistle or something to be like, all right, we don't need to fucking talk about truth anymore. We're done with that. We've moved into the postmodern era. Like it's, you know, like there's, there's no more. And so in a sense, the like New York times and like the deferring to the facts and like, that's what makes, um, that's what makes this caricature of like the Democrats or even like the left to some degree, like uh, online, I think to some, it's like this still like well, well, holding the to the truth and like holding to the facts and like going and deferring to the very, the very same institutions that if you were to be self-consistent, would you, you'd understand that are like, why would that person be truthful to you? And so there's a kind of like weird undermining process there where it's like, oh, in a sense, the right has more so inherited the process of the aestheticization of politics and like postmodernism. Whereas the left wants to hold on to a more of like sentimental, um, yada, 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 where, but whereas the right kind of like, there's all like, but the dupes of the right are the ones who are kind of like the in-between, like these kind of like, um, lumpen or like proletariat, some kind of people, They're, they are more like proletariats. That's kind of, kind of what I feel like, why I feel, I think more attentive to some of that like demographic or just kind of like trying to like carve a more even line through it is because it's like no this is like the last round of like or like a few of the last rounds of people that could kind of like operate in this like this kind of a, a certain volatility that doesn't make them just like recuperated so to speak back into capital but like they already are like don't get me wrong on some like on so many levels and it's like a whole it's a whole like farce at this point but i mean the left and the right as like at least in mainstream politics are entirely recuperated into capital no matter absolutely. how you how you slice it so, but, but it's I, like I the think, people who I fall into things you, because you, the things that get spread out in like the arg way of like YouTube now. And it's like, you know, people, so that's why you got to be questioning like, who are these people that are set up to be in the positions to be like the Q dispenser or the, the this and that, you know what I mean? That's all I was trying to say. Well, like, there's no, like, there's no, there's no narrative or myth building. And I actually think, uh, um, at least on the left, and I think that this is an important thing. And this is mm-hmm. what the right finds so troubling about things like the 1619 project and things along those lines is that they at least the people who pull the levers behind the rights power structures what's the 1619 project again it's basically the notion that the formation of the united states really started with the first slave being brought here right so it's it's a it's a reframing and a kind of re-mythologizing which i think that without any mention of as a reaction of as a reaction of postmodernism because we have to like 
recognize we live in a postmodern era. So what you what the thing about the mainstream media, right, being so fact-based is it's just dropping facts and fact checks, but it doesn't create a narrative that's compelling to people. At least like Q drops that don't mean anything. It's dropping all these uh, tensions, like these points of gravity and tension that can create a sweeping narrative. And I think that this is like one of the only decent things that Jordan Peterson has done is talk about the idea of trying to have a search for meaning. I don't think he creates a form of meaning that matters much to me, but it's the idea that um, like the end of history, we we've experienced it. I mean, we've lived in 1990 for the last fucking 30 years. It's like, it's, it's been just slightly faster internet. Uh, I asked my mom the only technological (laughs) innovation she could think of and she said drones, and that's like that's pretty that's pretty that's pretty grim, you know. Like, so Fuck. it's like we, we we've really like you know we we're supposed to be living in fucking geodesic domes with flying cars at this point, and what do we have? Like we have some like bad art monoliths, at, you know, at twenty twenty instead of two thousand one. So it's uh it's again it's I think that the left needs to do a better job creating narratives and. Uh, or I don't even really like the left-right dichotomy, but I think it's important. For there is no left right now. There really is no left in America. Yeah. The well, people who are, I like would just say like apprehensive like no to telling a story. America. I don't know. There's a third. That's because what, what that again that what that leads into is if like if you're just going to refer to the facts, I mean, how are those facts obtained? Right. Obviously, it's like who are you getting it from? So you kind of have to then defer to those constantly. So defer whoever is giving those to you, and so. Again, there's like a lack of lived experience in it, and especially when you're talking about shit that you don't have lived experience within, it's like it kind of well, is just, just like even look at look at the word facts, right? Like if you do a loose uh, like phoneme destruct, uh, deconstruction of it, right? Uh-huh. Facts is like f a x as well, which is like a facsimile. So we're living in a, like an era where it's just these facsimiles of factualness that are completely disinvested from lived experience. And what we need as people, and this is why I think ARGs are a really good good mapping for what QAnon is, or even Mm -hmm. just the David Ikean reptilian thing, or a lot of conspiracism, right? Is people want to live an enchanted fucking life. This is what a populist era breeds, and populist eras happen when the disenchantment that people feel from diminishing class conditions happens in their life. They want to return to a mythical past, and if the pro-human, pro-freedom side of it doesn't offer a compelling narrative, the fucking fascists will. You know, like, I really believe that that's mm-hmm. the, the kind of grim prognosis and it's like i don't want to sound like a you know girl boss poggers whatever but like aoc and stuff like and some of the people in the squad at the very least they're starting to bring up class conditions and what life could look like for people and i think that's like a much better thing than what obama did with just the vague term Mm -hmm. hope because everybody knew things were hopeless Right. But hope alone doesn't mean shit. You need to like define hope or at least say like 
imagine a better world because otherwise it's just, yeah, it's just Amazon drone deliveries and ecological catastrophe. What? What strange land is this? What am I doing here? How did this happen? Why am I asking you? I'm beginning to suspect foul play. Late at night, when I am sleeping, you slimy mofos come up breathing, sucking me into your world of horror. Can this be the world of tomorrow? Wait a minute, just a second. I know who you are. Yes, it's true, you're the citizens of the neighborhood. What the hell is it that you're trying to do to me? Help me, help me, I gotta get out. It was the commodification of it. It was the whole idea that, like, hope is now just another meaningless buzzword the same way that Apple took every single important person from the early 20th century and think, yeah, and turned it into their, like, I mean, in the early 2000s, turned it into their, like, ad campaign. And it was like, how insensitive and insulting is that? That, like, all of a sudden, Albert Einstein, Rosa Parks... And, like, Helen Keller are all, like, Apple icons. They don't have any fucking agency in this. It's just, the, the it becomes meaningless. It's, it's all just about most of those people something. never even saw. Most of those people never even saw a computer, you know? I think that's yeah, it's, it's, about, it's about feeling. It's about just feeling something. It doesn't mean anything. None of it, it there's no meaning anymore. And that's, that's, that is, uh, like you were talking about Jordan Peterson earlier, like he's always like fighting, like tilting at windmills for meaning. Well, he goes in the wrong direction because right. he goes right Absolutely. back to the he goes right back to the old world of hierarchy and the old world of all this stupid shit. Which, in any sensible hierarchy, someone like Jordan Peterson would be a fucking court jester mm-hmm. with his squeaky voice and his annoying he'd be, he'd be the crying clown. How, yeah, he would yeah, be. Exactly. Yeah, he would be the, the sad clown. <laughs> however, however, yeah, yeah, he would be the Pagliacci. But, however. Despite all that, like he does sort of have a point in that people do sort of need to find some sort of meaning. The problem is that yeah. the meaning that he prescribes is exactly the wrong kind of thing because he's like a useful idiot for the power elite. Again, I'm going to use that term again and again and again because to me that really is what we are languishing under. We are languishing under those who are uh, the elite with power, not the elite I mean- culturally. Because the elite I'm... culturally don't mean anything. The elite culturally doesn't mean anything, really. It's those who have power. That I'm, are not, I'm not one to like give a lot of credibility to somebody like Anton LaVey, but I think that there's a really good notion that he had. Instead of like Jordan Peterson's clean your room, right? Mm-hmm. One could say, and this is something that when I used to be more psychedelically minded, um, mm-hmm. I thought of a lot, is like, you know, we're always being brainwashed by things. So if I created a total environment for myself, I could consistently brainwash myself. So mm-hmm. instead of clean your room, it's like adjust your total environment. You know, it's like, like no, neuro yeah. li- linguistic programming is. It's like autogenic programming and that kind of shit. It's like basically a way to do that, right? You like trick yourself yeah. into doing it because you're not self-willed enough to do it or something, or like. I, don't know. I mean, that's what magic is. I, I really uh, believe no, that's exactly. what magic is. I, I think so, too. I think so, too. <clears throat> yeah. um, As an aside, I just want to say really quick, uh, for me, it was always Red Fox's clean your ass. Well, if you're going to have sex, you got to clean your ass. You don't have to wash your whole ass. You just got to wash your asshole. Anyway. 
Yeah. That that to me is. <laughs> I'm sorry. I'll stop. I'm doing a Fred Willard right now. I'll, I'll I'll back off. But you guys have some salient points there. That's good. No, I mean like and kind of like back to the facts thing and like especially when it comes to magic, like in a sense. I, I mean, I don't, I don't, I don't pay attention to like magic, like mainstream magic that much, like Penn and Teller stuff or like what's going on in that, that world, but too much. But like they've kind of done the same thing that I feel like I'm thinking about, where it's like they've just they've factualized it so it's kind of like they've like you know disenchanted it right but in a sense there's a weird way with facts where it's like facts are almost like like you're saying right in the brainwashing way where it's kind of like and i know this is going to sound like so just like yeah it's like hype like kind of psychedelic thought right but because you're just like in this like ouroboros loop of self-undermining orbit or almost you're like well yeah it's like you're just the facts though are just like the ultimate form of being enchanted then right like they're just they are like the, the they just don't appear as such kind of thing but in a sense especially yeah, when it comes like to, huh yeah oh it's just really quick it's just like the ben shapiro idea of facts don't care about your feelings it's <laughs> yeah, actually yeah. like it's feelings are facts and facts are feelings at this point you know what mm -hmm, i mean that's mm -hmm. really the no, totally. Rubicon that we've crossed in the it's magical like, thing and the make the meaning of making or the, the making of meaning is like is kind of like factualizing your feeling coming up with reasons for your feelings or like you know what I mean like but in a way that is believable because that's the whole thing too you got to like make it believable to the audience whoever you're talking to I mean I don't know it's like we've all probably experienced this like I feel like as I've been thinking about all this kind of shit more in my own life just like I start to like see it even like relationship things and stuff like that where it's like trying to like make you understand something and i know I'm, it's like i'm i can't like say that I, this is true I, I you know what i mean there's even certain things where you have to like kind of like you really try to be honest with everything you know what i mean you got to kind of be like well how do i really just get at how i want this or trying to, what I'm trying to like relate my feelings to you you know what i mean so again it's like you're trying to relate the feelings and you're so you rationalize them, you factualize them, you come or up with like a or reason. Your or your observations of reality. I think that's basically the other thing right. Too. Yeah. It's like if, if, yeah. if we don't frame it entirely like this is the facts, it's like, you know, people ask me, oh, do you believe in astrology or tarot? And I can say, like, I, I can't give correlation or causation, but I can say that it has meaning to me, whether it's real or not. That's what like I'm saying. Yeah. Resonance is something that really fucking yeah. matters. You can hold multiple meanings in your mind too, like as like perspectives or like you know, fleshed out core coherent forms of meaning making that might exist in this kind of thing. It's like, and it's just as like, it's not too dissimilar from like looking at like a coherentized, like, oh, this is what the Greeks believed, you know, this is what so-and-so believed when in, in even of that, that unto itself is like a, is a reworking. This is like why, you know, philology turned into postmodernism and shit is because this is what was happening in germany all these guys are like reading into like you know translating all these uh far eastern books you know and they're going like okay and they're making these narratives though in the process or like von humboldt you know is coming to america and they're doing all that shit with like the you know mayan aztec calendar and interpreting and like they're putting together the pieces well, in a way that builds up a narrative that then typically fulfills what it is that they want to see you know like they very rare, very rarely are people so willing to like self undermine themselves. You know, very like especially people with power. That's I mean that's again where you start well, to these lines mm -hmm. where these, of connection where it's like, well, they don't, they never wanted to give well, that yeah, up. Yeah, look, they it, continue to lie it, and they change the narrative there a little bit, and then you know <laughs> what I mean? Like kind of like, yeah, no, it's never mattered really what the ancients thought. It's never really mattered what 
the philosophers think. What matters is how the interpretation gets disseminated amongst those who have any sort of cultural power. Sure. Yeah, well, it's, so, so, so who- it's, 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 it's the priesthood or it's the idea of uh, creating awe in people and a sense mm-hmm. of fear and trembling. Because, like, right. sorry to interrupt, but, like, I think that this is one of the things that uh, Kitsch said that I thought was really interesting is he brought up uh, the Mayan calendar. And there's two things that uh, I want to talk about on this. And I think we can open up the death of the author thing in another episode, which... You know, the idea of inconclusiveness in unfinished texts, which I think is a really important thing to look at and as, a, as a counterpoint to eschatology, is that, you know, like the future is actually unwritten. But the idea that um, in the Mayan calendar, there was so many, uh, so much beneficence placed on eclipses and stuff like that, that the priests could just say, you know, you guys were bad today, so I'm going to blot out the sky. And then when an eclipse happens, everybody is just beholden. I got that from Burroughs. And I thought that was one of the most fascinating things is that like the original control systems and astrotheology, again, whether it's real or not, yeah. uh, it had effects on people. And those those narratives. Oh, well, yeah, 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 yeah. That was the that was the Arthur C. Clarke point where he said that any technology sufficiently advanced enough is indistinguishable from magic. Exactly. Which, uh, and that is something, but again, like I would take that a step further and say that it's not just technology, but any charismatic movement, any movement that has to do with um, really just a a a certainty amongst, right, a certainty amongst the user, the person who, the person who's enabling this, the person who's pushing this out there, the person who's claiming that they know what they're talking about, um, anything like that is... If you do it with the right swagger, it's so advanced. It's indistinguishable from the average person from truth because truth to them is, is, yeah, exactly. It's It's like, right. Because we're still at the point where question himself, but not just that it's the inability of his audience to question him because we are still on some level at, at the point where we require someone to come down from the mountain and, tell us what the ultimate plan is yeah we we think of the prophetic and i've mentioned this before on the podcast but there's a misunderstanding in what uh a prophet is and what prophecy is prophets and prophecy are not people who read the future like nostradamus they're people who read the will of god which means that they are trying to tell you the way the earth and the world is supposed to go what god requires and what god expects and what god wants and what god is looking for now, if you can come down and make those sorts of motions and, and, and have that voice, then you are the prophet. That's what the modern prophet is. They're not the future reader because the future then bends to the will of the person who is saying these things, no matter how absurd or stupid or completely fucking alienating and, 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 and ridiculous they are. The point is that the flow will then go in that direction if you if you have the right conditions to state these things in the proper way i would like to live in a time period i don't know if this is going to happen or not but i would like to live in a time period where other human beings if not most human beings are savvy enough to recognize this for the real obvious game and ruse and and bullshit uh uh thing that it is 
we don't live there yet, but it'd be really nice I mean, if, if if we don't if we learn nothing else from the Trump era, that we could maybe transcend that. Yeah, something that something I was just thinking about too with Josh. You said like about the death of the author thing. That's something you and I were talking about a while or a bit ago. And yeah, probably too late to like kind of fully open up the can of worms. But like we're kind of what we're talking about now is the other side of that, where it's the um. And I've heard this referred to by that that internet artist Brad Tremel or Brad Tremel. Um, <laughs> yeah, but it's like funny, it's yeah, uh. It, what he does is he artificializes the context, right? You're not making an artificial person. Not like it's not the content itself is artificial. Like you know, you you make the context ever artificial so that the author almost remains, or there's an invisible author, or there there can it can be like QAnon's a great or Q is a great example, right? Where it's just like who is it? But it's somebody of authoritative, you know, something, and so. That's kind of where things are at too right now. Is it's like who's who's to believe and all that kind of stuff. So like this weird, there's like pushing on both sides. Like there's on the one hand the authors like you know the personality the person has been you know interpolated and constructed and as a result kind of deflated. But on the on the other side is like the environment itself from which or the context from which the the facts and the setting are supposed to set the whole other subject kind of like in its place are also changing changing and like being more modified and subject to flux like fluctuation like that's why he creates those like memes or whatever they're just kind of like people can't tell whether or not it's real or not right it's like it's kind of creating these this, this context where it's fitting the context of what's a, a believable situation or a believable stylization because it's a known look because it becomes a trope or a, a, a kind of a um an easy an easy easily enough identifi identifiable style right that like comes to represent a kind of mood or like really resonate with people on a certain level on something you know what i mean so like then that gets played up and amplified and accentuated and beaten to death and then they have to move on you know as advertisers basically art, art advertiser kind of people and uh uh yeah i don't know where i was going with that train of thought but well i think all right so I think that the the whole idea of the terrain itself creating its own narratives is a really fascinating one that we could probably open up as a whole huge thing as well. Like, there's there's some thought that, you know, Q is just basically some AI, right? And it's just, like, spewing out a whole bunch of garbage. <laughs> that, you know, and that, and that really, like, kind of causes one to question even, like the like, the whole idea of the Turing test, right? It's like... Yeah. People are completely vectors. But then are people some, like, like it's like in a Gregor, then are people abiding by the AI then in a sense? You know what I mean? Like, you know what I mean? Like there's a sense of like, what, who controls who in the, but sorry, go on. No, no. I think, I think that's like, it's, it's, it's really interesting that uh, Bezos and uh, Elon Musk's like favorite books that are in common are those Eon Banks, like, uh, books about like the ai gods and stuff um <laughs> ian m banks it was it was when he wrote as a sci-fi writer it was ian m banks yeah because he yeah he wrote about like sort of like uh a social theme i'm a fan of ian banks actually the wasp factory is one of my favorite books um but when he wrote as a science fiction author is what you're referencing is ian m banks okay yeah uh but all, all i'm trying to say on that well, and sorry, I want to go back just one last second on this Trump thing because there's this whole uh, idea that uh, that the guy who Gary Lockman, who used to play bass in Blondie, 
wrote this book about the Trump administration and kind of meme magic and stuff like that. But I think one of the most fascinating things is the idea that uh, uh, Pierce, I believe, the guy who wrote The Power of Positive Thinking, was like the only uh, religious thinker that Trump ever really followed. And that guy's whole idea is this like charismatic, uh, charismatic magic sort of. It's like the secret. Yeah, exactly. It's like the secret for assholes. Yeah. And it's, it's <laughs> in the 1920s and 30s, essentially. Like, wasn't it? Like hey, it, it I think we have a, I think, well, so yeah, the whole title for the movement album. itself is actually something that I respect a lot. I think we have a title for the episode. What, yeah, what's it? There's <laughs> the secret, the secret for, assholes. for assholes. But I, I, I really think that the New Thought movement has a lot of like much more benign thinkers. Um, mm-hmm. But the whole concept, again, is to trick yourself into this like non-rational state which again i think is like true chaos magic and to do this maybe pre-nlp type thing mary baker eddie christian science kind of stuff and get yourself to uh create thought forms or maybe not even like fully developed egregores but things that you say with such conviction that if not 100 percent able to manifest in this world you create less impediments for yourself to have that. And I think Trump's rhetoric, too, the fact that he says so much, it's like having a really good drunken conversation with somebody. And you, like, at least me, I'm a pretty good drunk arguer. Like, just, uh, what is it called? Gish galloping. You just say so much shit that a person doesn't even know what to do. And you just kind of overwhelm them with... uh kind of contradictory or contending things like that's why i'm not interested in debate i think debate's bullshit but yeah like i think that that's why aoc again i'm not I'm not trying to be a stand for her but i think it's like she has a really good opportunity since she was a bartender that she can like do that same thing that like, <laughs> another per- another person i think that is relatively good is katie porter um you can follow a narrative more than like one or two threads and they can like actually keep moving on one thread and you know instead of just like count point counterpoint kind of thing but trump just is like mm-hmm. fucking uh like the the makeup shotgun in that episode of the simpsons where it's just like yeah 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 you know, he's, he's just he's just he's just <laughs> shooting like fucking lipstick powder and mascara yeah. all over the place and in your uh, fucking face yeah and it's like it works on a certain type of person. And I'm not going to say that those people are stupid. I'm going to say that those people are uh, more easily enthralled by somebody because they have a tendency to maybe not have some sort of enchantment in their own life, whether it be religious or... Josh. Yeah. Josh, do you think that, um, as you mentioned, AOC or Katie Porter, they have a chance against... I don't know. I'm going to throw this hypothetically out there. I'm not thinking of anyone specifically, but a 80 year old millionaire who responds to a question on a um, on a uh, <clears throat> interview during an uh, unprecedented pandemic crisis by saying, "Good morning, it's Sunday morning," I mean, and also seems to have. I think I mean, you really think that. Like, at the end of the day, like, do you think that these people can ever 
I mean, it, it's it, let's be honest here. I mean, if you talk, I, about, the, if you talk about the Green well, New Deal well, no, no, in terms of jobs me, instead of just being like, here's my ice cream. Right, but let me freezer, finish real quick. You know, like I, I just bro, hold on. I, I I just real quick. I just want to ask, like you and Kit, I want to know. Do you think that the squad and people who are like of the younger set, whether they be AOC, Rashida Tlaib, or uh, you know, Ayanna Presley, Ilhan Omar, Katie Porter, any of these people? Do you think that they will ever unsee the levers of power, or will it literally just be the cold hand of death that that um, uh, uh, delivers us from this fucking nightmare of being ruled over by people like Joe Biden and uh, and um, f- fucking uh, Nancy Pelosi and Dianne Feinstein and people like that and Chuck Schumer? I mean, I think that if again, it's a matter of learning how to frame the narrative. So what are the myths of the fucking centrist professional managerial class? It's like you can have girl boss ice cream on your iPad while, you know, you go to yoga class Mm -hmm. and uh, yell at children for wanting the fucking environment to not collapse. You know, like I think the trick is to not fall into the Bernie uh, 1% scold kind of thing, because, again, I think that Bernie is more right on. But at the same time, it's like we need to have this idea that like America can be great because that resonates with a certain demographic. And the idea of like just being like, oh, we need windmills and we need to end fracking and we need to like get rid of oil is not going to resonate with people. But if people can say AOC, right, or if the new Green New Deal can be framed as jobs infrastructure, the ability to buy a home again. I don't know if the corporate class is going to allow those people to... Uh, yeah, yeah, let me ask that real quick. Get, get, let me ask that real quick. So let's say that the messaging is there and everything's there and it's good, but will it matter? Will the messaging matter? Do we actually live in... We don't really live in a representative democracy. Like, none of us think that. Like... We, we, we live in the most populous state that has two senators, the same number of senators as Wyoming or North Dakota. But we don't live in a representative democracy. So at the end of the day, what I'm wondering is, like, does any of this messaging fucking matter? Does any of this sort of, like, mm, yeah. you know, pushing for this matter? Because the system itself denies any sort of, like, fucking traction when it comes to what people want versus what um, those who are getting rich off this shit want. I mean, I think on some level it's maybe I don't think it's so cynic like I don't know I don't I don't know there's a part well, of me that, like, we'll put it this way I, yeah I don't want to be naive but I think that there's a certain amount of naivete that one needs to have to live in an enchanted world right so it's like we can have this like like Mark Fisher uh, capitalist realist idea that like okay the future's never going to come and we just have to live in this haunted future's past idea or ding 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 we could try to fucking engage people again i think that that's really what it is okay but okay but let's say that you engage people if we're completely hopeless like hope i mean people want something to fucking believe in people i mean i don't know how much that's why the soap keeps running that's what yeah that's why the soap and the drama keeps happening but let's say that you engage people. Bernie fucking engaged people, and he got fucking absolutely trounced in the fucking primaries by the machine. Yeah, so my question is like, my question is like, so you engage people, you put the work in there, and 
what is the end result? Is there really any hope that that I mean, can just change fucking, anything? Just off yourself, then. I mean, because that's the thing, Colin. Is like if if there's that's not a very good message. If, well, no. I mean, if there's absolutely no fucking chance of any possible hope, then I what's think there's the a, fucking point, I think there's a right? third answer. I think there's a third answer. I think there's something like that. The two sides, the two dishes that are being served on the platters, so to speak, you know, on on the thing and the way that, you know, even, you know, the squad's being presented and whether it be good or bad, mm-hmm. you know, it's like, I don't think any of it's the full story, you know, in a sense. And it's kind of like, not to say that there's, oh, there's mm-hmm. a little bit more to it. And again, like a factual, yeah, like a realist way, but in again, more of an enchanted way of just kind of like, what do these people represent? Like, what is, what's the broader, like more lindy meaning here so to speak like in that like deeper just historical like longer lasting narrative structure archetypal structure or something like i'm sure that there's i haven't looked into this but i, I guarantee there's some synchromistic dude out there who's made some kind of like connection between the squad and like some particular like group of you know uh I don't know, fairies or like, you know, muses or something, you know, I mean, like some group of women that like usher in or support some kind of like other mythological structure thing or something and on some kind of like level that it, that would like, again, not to be like, oh, like, oh, I believe this. So it makes me feel good. And therefore I can like support this. It's not like that for me. I don't look at it like that. It's not for me to like be like, I don't know. I think I've, I'm a, I'd, my cynicism and nihilism has gone so far that it's just kind of like, I just tried not to just, uh, I don't, I don't try to like situate my meaning there. You know what I mean? Like I try to like worry about what's, you know, you know, around me and like, obviously things go insane. Anything happened, it would be like, you just have to get into like re- real reality mode. I feel like I just have to like adapt, you know, and just be like, okay, yeah, things are changing. And it's just, I've done enough of that in my life to be kind of like, I feel like uh, not prepared for it by any means, but like it just le- at least like, no, this is this is changing. Things are fucking changing because things are not fucking as they are have said that they were. Like things have been led on to be much more whatever, so to speak. But um I was gonna say too, and then like this is this is just like a personal kind of story to some degree. Again, like like the storytelling thing I think is important. It's kinda like the way that like how do you like make meaning for yourself? Because there's this mm-hmm. whole thing about just going online and making making deferred meaning to everybody else and like like, how do you situate your world and orient your life? You know, it's like, I do it in a pretty haphazard and stupid way. You know, I don't take me as a role model by any means. I'm a fucking idiot. But it's just like, for example, the other day, and it's like, I basically follow synchronicity, but it's like, it's just kind of like, what that's probably some kind of a brain aberration that it's like, who knows? But you know what I mean? But just like, so I, for some reason, I was thinking about the Stussy the other day, that little like, you know the cool s as it's called on wikipedia i guess the um the thing that kids would draw on their journals and stuff you know yeah. what i'm talking about the, the magic s yeah and that was like associated yeah. with yeah. stussy or the stussy stussy yeah so whenever which the is actually called, a, which is a, which is a which is a synchro for steve Ducey. See, I didn't even know let, that aspect. But let, it, let him finish his. Let, let him finish. Let him finish. This is a, this is a kind of a trailing. This, try to follow my meaning here again. I'm like making meaning in the in the oracle moment right here. Okay. Let's do it. So, Let's do it, man. Um, and this is coming from a couple of different sources. But like I'm piecing them together. And so, work with me here. Um, but so I was just thinking about that. I let it sit for a day. I, I searched it on Wikipedia. I was like, why the fuck? I don't even remember. And then I kind of just like is like on my on my tabs, you know. And then 
some time passes, the Utah Monument comes down, right? And then a new one comes up in Romania. Um, and then I'm watching this this YouTube, like this Christian kind of conspiracy YouTube guy that I kind of become fond of as of late. And uh, he's making, because so he made this connection for me the first time that's been since in the news about like how um, the whole John McCracken thing, I was talking about Josh, I don't know a little bit about this. Uh, the John McCracken thing, uh, who's an artist who makes like, he made, he didn't really make a lot of land works, made some, and um, he has like, but he makes like those things that look exactly like that, like a reflective, uh, triangular structure, yeah. right? Pretty, pretty identical, um, reflectivity and stuff like that. And apparently his son, you know, said that his dad had told him that he thought about doing that before he died and thought it, like it would be cool to like leave this around because he was like, he was inspired specifically about from like the alien like 2000 and one kind of narrative of like some obelisk or some kind of thing right okay and this is where it gets this is it gets this is a weird narrative that i've built up for myself right and i don't believe this i'm a nihilist i don't believe in anything okay but <laughs> but uh but you know it's just like so i didn't i didn't think much about it i'm like i'm so i'm looking at this and thinking about it and so and then he's like, and then what's interesting is that on this particular hill where the new one is, right? Um, yeah, the monolith, the new the monolith. The new monolith. Yeah. Um, or let me go back for a second, actually. So but even before that is um, what connects this that this guy noticed, too, is that um, there's an article in like 2017 or something in Forbes where Josh Kushner, this reminds us going back all the way around down to fail sons about pardoning of uh, Kushners. Josh oh. Kushner is the good Kushner. He voted for Hillary. And he helped Instagram, and he's a tech billionaire startup guy. And so he... <laughs> just, 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 just the Hillary part. Hillary and good in the same sentence is something I could ever get down with. Let him finish. Come on. We no, that's fine. fine. I mean, we're not going too long. Um, yeah, okay. All right. All right. Um, and um, yeah, so he and he's like an aspiring art collector like his brother and, si or his brother and sister-in-law. And... Uh, and I think that that's a funny narrative as far as the art world conversation there. But um, but he had one in this article the guy refers to is like, oh, he has a John McCracken painting above his desk behind him. He has a bullseye, which is one of his mm -hmm. paintings. Um, and so kind of sync corresponding that to, you know, the whole release, Sidney Powell's release the Kraken remarks, mm -hmm. right? There's a little bit of a, a funny little, little bit of John Dee's English magic humor right there. What do you want to call it? Mm -hmm. um, and then how's that? How's well, that with the John D thing? Well, I don't know. Just like because of the English language is just like a bunch of rhymy bullshit. I don't know. And like oh, okay, Francis gotcha. Bacon and shit like that. You know Shakespeare. Um, so just like Francis Yates doing a book on Francis Bacon. Whoa! Doesn't she have one on him? I think that's what the book you got is. Sort of well, it's right. kind of about him. It's it's like it's like about Shakespeare and about like the theater structure like it's like kind of about the architecture of it too i think to some degree it's all about john d's nuts it's all about d's nuts <laughs> but anyway right, that's uh <laughs> anyway 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 where was i okay so that really like the, I don't know, the, the fuck, release yeah, of the kraken yeah, yeah. right okay so that's like that's one little angle to take it up the, the mainstream media is kind of like taking that as an angle this is again you can you can arg this if you want you could just say that this is a narrative now that's like an argification of reality that's how i kind of see it too um and so, okay, so Josh, you know, Kushner's connect collects this stuff, and <clears throat> that relates later 
in terms of this kind of astro astrological connection. But then, so the, the new monolith is moved, okay, right? The new monolith is moved to Romania, and it's by, and it's on this mountain where there was a, a Drastian, I think that's maybe how you say it, correctly if, I, if anyone knows, uh, Drastian, like, fortress was up there. And the Drastians were, like, the people who, like, lived um, in that area uh, of, I mean, what, what's the historical na uh, name for that whole region, kind of? I mean, it's like, it's like German, it's like Germany, but it's like, it's, it's, uh, it's Bohemia? Latvia, Bohemia. It's like, it's, it's like on, I don't know exactly it's it's if it's on the Danube, it's not, no, it's not on the Danube. Let's keep but going. I, Let's I, keep yeah, going. anyway. So it's on this thing that's a Dresian cult. Bear with me, Colin. Come on. And so. I'm, I'm just, I'm trying to, oh yeah, I'm, I'm trying. And so basically what's funny about this. And so. I go back and I'm like, wait, I go back to my, my other tab. The cool S, the cool S is actually probably related to like the Dresian solar cult. The first formulation of it. Is no way. Yes. What? <laughs> yes. Uh, it's, it's like this symbol. It's like a Romanian style Latvian shape that represents the serpent. <laughs> I like okay? it. And it's yeah. like the stuff you, it looks, it's like basically it looks exactly like it. And there's variations on it. Um, and so I was like, okay, that's fucking weird. And then, so I was like kind of looking, you know, just further into that. And um, uh, the guy, okay. So this is, this is another weird connection too, that just kind of like, I don't know how exactly I got to this weird spot in the whole thing of what I was looking into. I somehow came across like the brotherhood of Saturn um, like the Fraternus Saturni, which is a thing that was started like in 1926. Um, and it was kind of an outgrowth of, um, uh, you know, secret societies in Germany at the time. There was a, a lot, there was like Crowley's all in this mix or the, uh, OTO, I think kind of came out of this to some degree, or like all these kind of players were kind of intermixing. There's a power struggle going on basically. Um, and one of the people who was in, uh, the, the fraternus Saturni was Alban Grau, who was the producer of Nosferatu, the first version okay. of the film. All okay, right. Nosferatu yeah. and Dracula story. Nice obviously, the Dracula story obviously is about it's about that area. It's about Dracula. It's like that's what that's about that area, like Vlad the Impaler, all of like that that whole historical castle spaces and all those like that region is all about that whole thing. But what's, what I found other interesting aspect of it was that Nosferatu, because there was a legal struggle, he couldn't recreate Stoker's book's name because the, the estate... Yeah, he couldn't call it Dracula because his widow was against it. His widow was against it. And because yeah. this guy was a freak, from what I can tell. Uh, F.W. Murray. Alvin, Alvin Crow was a fucking film. weirdo. And, uh, yeah. But so basically, Nosferatu, he was like a, he was like a pre-theosophical society kind of person. And like that, like okay. the Greek of what that means is plague carrier. Okay, oh. now so well, tie the, the, is wait, all. Wait, 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 wait. Plague carrier and what? The, theosophical? No. No, in Greek, like that's what that's what. That's what sorry, this word, nosophoros. That's what. Oh, the nos. Oh, okay. Sorry, not theosophical. Yeah. No, no, so I didn't say that. Sorry. No, I, no, yeah, sorry. nosophoros is like potentially where the word nosferatu comes from. I see. Um. And it's otherwise been like, a, you know, associated with like undead and stuff like that. But so, and then, so just kind of this idea that like, uh, 
thinking about 2001 Space Odyssey, right? The whole obelisk falls and it kind of brings some kind of thing on Earth, obviously, that like transforms these monkeys and they change into humans probably, right? That's that's what you assume, right? Mm -hmm. um, but that's kind of, I don't think, the story. I think it's kind of like, there's almost like an inverge, inversion story of, or an idea of way of looking at it, where it's like, oh no, it's like a plague-carrying thing that kills the monkeys. Or like, or then there's the whole thing with the vaccines that use um, the polio vaccines back in the 50s and 60s that used the uh, monkey kidney cells and they gave like 96 million people this polio vaccine that had like potentially cancerous cells in it. But it yeah, that's actually, yeah. to be honest, as somebody who's not really an anti-vaxxer, um, I did listen to some stuff that that pandemic woman said, and she's completely ridiculous on her understanding of how mRNA works, because mRNA doesn't uh, change your genome. But she did talk about recombinant uh, DNA, which can change your genomes, and that was supposed to have been one of the things, too. So, like, I'm not one of those uh, Yeah. Oh, and this all gets that's like, really oh, that's why autism like, happened. No, totally. And this, and this is just, but that's just to tidy this up into the, into the black hole of weirdness. Like this gets into this guy who this castle that was like, it's associated with this myth of the black, like the black monk, not like a black, you know, pigment or anything, but like yeah. the black, like dead monk, this weird monk who like haunts this castle. This guy bought this later in life, but this guy wrote a book called Theozoology and he has his bat shit fucking insane. He's like a monk, a Cisterian monk who like, you know, def uh, got out of the monk thing. He's like, I don't wanna do this anymore. I'm escaping Rome. I'm going mm -hmm. back to like Germany roots. I'm starting the new Templars. And <laughs> so in that process, he's like, gets to this theory about how basically that some kind of like inter intermixing between like aplings and like humanoids and stuff and this a whole like crossbreeding you know it's like very like prefigures kind of hitler's like you know miscongeniation you know, like kind of bullshit you know and so it's uh it's it, it just kind of like it adds this weird esoteric thread to what's going on right now and that's just to tie it up from like i'm not i'm not psychotic i don't believe this i'm just kind of like i just like have looked at all this stuff right lately and i'm just like or i'm looking at all these different sources and they are not in, in any way related you know what I mean? Unto themselves, other than just like the way that I'm looking at them. And well, it's just some of the stuff you just mentioned really makes me think of when I went to the Rosicrucian Museum a few years ago and I saw this one thing that uh, it's really hard to find good photos of, but it's called the Black Obelisk of Shalmaneser the uh Third, -huh. which was in Nimrud. Um, it has all of these, you know, and it's strange too because all this ancient alien stuff, you don't really hear about this particular thing, but there's all these ape-like creatures with human baby heads that are like pulling carts with monkeys and just like nice. all of this really insane shit on this obelisk yeah and uh it's it's i don't know it's it's strange and i i think one of the things you were saying like when i looked up the etymology of nosferatu it's interesting too that uh because I've read a lot into vampirism as being kind of like a weird idea of either uh, reclaiming race, right? Like that mm. if you look at uh, how, at least in Dracula, like it's uh, kind of a mixed race person who's on the the borders of where the invading Mongol hordes were coming into Europe. And that person trying to get white blood in England. Right. Sure. So there's 
kind of that like idea of uh, salvation through race theory. But the even stranger is looking up the Nosferatu etymology. It says that uh, a vampire could be formed by an illegitimate offspring of two illegitimately begotten people. So it's like if you're a bastard of a bastard, uh-huh. like the invert the inversion of like the immaculate conception it's like the right. so the peasant class is just full of vampires well that's what <laughs> yeah, well, that, so. i mean that's that's the kind of difference <laughs> My wife. That, that gets there was a pe- that's a, supposedly <laughs> yeah. where the guy got got the idea it was a serbian farmer told him in world war one that his dad was one of the undead and he was a vampire or something like that but he's fucking Serbians, exactly right man. just in, yeah, a serbian stir or some shit i mean but uh I think it's like applicable in a lot of settings, right? And I think that like even like we were talking about earlier, the adrenochrome thing is kind of like the new version of it. Like in as far as the rich people sucking yes, the blood the of the young, continues, you know what yeah. I mean? Exactly. Like it's a recreation of the mythology. And that's sort of the thing where I think that people who default to the left or default to factuality or rationale, like the rational state, is that you're like you're not like understanding the extent to which like you're being beguiled and mystified under the guise of factuality. You know what I mean? Like you're just kind of recreating though an archetypal myth though in some degree. You know what I mean? Like yeah. again, like, like Biden breaking his ankle because he's walking his dog. Major, you know, it's just like you're do they're rehashing the story on some level, but it's like it's uh, whether it's universe or they, you know, kind of thing. But there's also like a kind of inversion to like a looking into the like mirror or you know the water like reflective process where it's kind of like it looks the same but just a little bit different or something. You know, I don't know. It's um yeah it's just i don't know yeah. it's a trip but I mean, well, it's yeah like, it's it, it's like we can we can we can scry anything and then how right. much of our scrying is us projecting the world of us uh at the same time this is this is the thing is whether you're rational about it or metaphysical about it we have to recognize that there is uh what people conveniently call the collective unconscious and whether it's through dissemination of myths that have been compressed so deeply symbolically that our minds unfold these things in a, in a way that seems to be consistent across all cultures, or if there's like some deeper, you know, er meaning to all this stuff, like, you know, some actual perennial tradition, I don't really know. All I know is that the consistency between these things is really uncanny and the effects of it are what empirically matters to me. And there, there, there does seem to be like, you know, what you were saying about the QAnon thing or the, the pedo, whatever, you know, people always talk about how it's just blood libel, you know, it's like intrinsically anti-Semitic, but it's not necessarily just a matter of Semitism. It's always about having this other of, uh, you know, yeah. the shadowy cabal of the other, For sure. you know? Yeah, so because you, you're always deflecting and uh, you know projecting your own faults and shadow self, and and like the personification of disease and all that kind of stuff. We live in, we live in very much a um, yeah. Well, the dis- cons- con- consonant historical line. I think it's really funny that one of the big undoings of Trump's, um, of Trump's uh, presidency, and arguably the reason why he wasn't reelected, was the specter of disease when he had utilized that other disease thing for so long from the very beginning of his like political career you know it it was the whole idea that like these it's these others that are coming in and infecting our culture and infecting our people yeah right 
And and then like you know a very mm-hmm. like no yeah if you look a, at a the two ends bookending them I mean God yeah and then a pandemic rolls through and he completely fucking belly flops a response to it because he's a massive and now the Latinos are no his friends real. like yeah yeah well not to say that the Mexicans are like the borders like not to say but that's like a, like a you know a broad swath generalization but it's kind of like even in that generalization it's like it's like. There's just kind of this like, oh, like the brown people, like, because people think, I mean, when a QAnon person thinks of like who a Latino is, right? They're going to think of oh, a brown mm-hmm. person. And so it's kind of like. It's well, just... It's, it's just funny. It's like, it's like, yeah, it's just it, the whole idea of him just like othering people and then just getting like knocked out of the fucking like running because he's just such an obvious fuck up when it comes to dealing with something that has to do with actual infection amongst human beings, you know, amongst Americans. Yeah, right, right. Of, you know, versus like this, z- z- right, yeah, exactly, versus this like xenophobic nonsense. Like, I mean, at the end of the day, they got the wall, like, it's just the wall of virus, you know? <laughs> I mean, at the end of the day, like, us. people are, look, he, he's going to be remembered for trying to like fund and build this like failed wall when at the end of the day, him defunding the pandemic response team in america really undid him more than anything else well we actually have to we have to be honest about that 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 was john bolton like i understand bolton was part of the trump administration but we cannot allow people like john bolton to now be like uh back in the good graces of people because he's actually no i'm not suggesting that that. anybody else but his mustache is so dad though he's got like a dad mustache he looks like he looks like the thin walrus but like you understand what i'm saying right like the Mm -hmm. whole his like his notion of uh, um, yeah yeah totally. what yeah it, it, it's 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 funny too because he has such like a 14th century idea of keeping people out with this wall mm-hmm. and then it was literally a plague that undid him it was literally a fucking plague right. that knocked no again it, it, is it's that like a classic rehearsal of something like a story you know the medieval president he's the medieval president yeah. no it is medieval like I think it, no yeah. no no but I think what I think what you're saying kid is is really uh, accurate too though it 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 is really uncannily archetypical i didn't really even think about it that way yeah well i mean there's a few associations i've seen at least in that kind of vein in a few ways you know but then also just like you know thinking about diseases and stuff like that and like the etymological like thing there too and like a crisis right like it's a turning point in a disease as far as the greek etymology like etymology is concerned i think and so i don't know it's kind of like a turning point there's also this, you know, the Great Reset, like you were saying earlier. There's all like this, just kind of the dials turning, the zodiacs switching all around, the super conjunctions happening, or you know, it's this kind of like, it's it's a. And on this day in 1804, Napoleon was crowned Emperor of the French. Oh, so, shit. and the, uh, on this day, uh, the Manhattan Project initiated the first self-sustaining nuclear chain reaction by Fermi. Which I've been hearing a lot about Fermi, and maybe we could talk about instead of the Great Reset, maybe the Great Filter, uh, because uh-huh. that seems to be something that's bubbling above consciousness uh, now, and uh, at least in the collective consciousness of people, because I'm seeing more and more articles about the Great Filter and how we truly may be alone at the same time we have this <laughs> duality of, of seeing the monolith. Yes. Um, yes. So, and, oh. and also, I, I think that the, even the etymology of the monolith is kind of interesting because there's two of them. So it's more like Boaz and Joachim mm-hmm. as opposed to, so it's like a duolith instead of a mm-hmm. monolith. There's two of them, you know, yes. a bilith. That's true. That's true. And then also, there was, there was something too that happened. It's happened 
it happened like earlier the year or last year too but having a game like 20 of those little like blue dragon slugs washed up in australia or something like that and they're like i don't know they look they just have like a quintessential like blue blooded weird like and they look all like flanned out and they're and uh i had seen a youtube video the other day it was like a very popular uh, youtube science channel kind of thing that was talking about how like the greeks didn't have a word for blue and to me that sounds utterly ridiculous in a sense but i mean like i get kind of what he's saying because i watched the video but 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 i mean like they said know. they had red balls <laughs> uh, God. all right uh i think we should wrap it yeah uh, sounds good to me Colin, right, well. any last words? okay yeah um i'm just trying to turn this into a mukbang uh video yeah. audio yeah yeah that's gross um, i did eat a meat i'm eating i'm eating that, so. i'm eating dog shit right now bang. um what is I don't even know what that is. Uh, you know it, mukbang? It's like one of those uh, Korean like it, eating let me, let me, it's, videos. It's Korean people eating oh, things. Oh, weird. Yeah, so I just found a. I just I, I just ate a live squirrel. <laughs> that reminds me of something we were else talking. I about Dark recently that was about this fetish, mm -hmm. this kink of um, women like putting men on roasts or like putting them on like little pig platters like burnt up and shit. <laughs> Oh, like spit, spit yeah, roasting? Kind of, yeah. It has a name. I forget what. That sounds like murder. Spit roasting, That sounds like murder. That doesn't sound like. like a... I could see you doing. Well, look, it. I could see you doing it as a bit. I see. Colin, I can I do can, that as a I bit. I see Dalton Colin doing crush play as a bit. He's like, but I'm so, I'm so oh, first small. Of all, I'm so small. I'm just a <laughs> wee little thing. <laughs> I'm very. Listen, I'll eat a variety of disgusting things, but I'm very claustrophobic. I don't want to get crushed. And Josh. You watch yourself. I'm going to bring some gross things over to your yard and eat them in your yard, and you're going to have to deal with that. All right. And that's a threat. Okay. So let's, 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 All right, guys. let's cut the episode, but we can chat for a second. That sounds fun. Yeah. All right. All right. Cool. Sounds good. All right. All right. Bye, All right. Bye guys. Bye.